and welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superheroes and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And today, we are doing something a little bit different, because it is the holiday time, and we thought, what better time to do a little Christmas special. So, we kind of put together a holiday special, a Christmas special, a Xmas special, if you will. So... We are just going to take some time and talk about some of Mikey and I's favorite things. Um, Some of them are comics related. Some of them are not comics related. But I thought that sharing them, um, Oprah style, favorite things style, would be something good to do. So we're going to do that and then take some time to answer um, some very awesome questions we got from a lot of people. Yeah, thanks to everyone that replied to us with questions I'm really excited to answer some of them. Some of them are extremely good. Actually, all of them are extremely good. Yeah, so it's, you know, whatever you are celebrating, I'll say the show is for you. <laughs> it's just, you know, a little a little reprieve. We kind of went deep into the paint with uh, some of the Young Avengers material we went over last episode, and then the annual that we did actually record an episode of, and then spent subsequent two hours actually talking about it i don't think the episode's <laughs> gonna be two hours it's still getting it's, there it's not um so I'm still polishing it up <laughs> yes um you can thank mikey for his audio editing skills because i don't have any and the only reason this entire thing gets taken care of is because he does it so i am thankful for that this holiday season i am thankful for this podcast and all of our wonderful listeners and i say that i i say that in like a radio voice but no i'm like super super thankful actually we have a great group of listeners and folks that talk to us on twitter and discord and other places it's great because mostly mike talking about comics up to this point has just been me yelling into a void or yelling at charlie so i'm glad that people like my weird words that i say about comics <laughs> i like your weird words that you say about comics too well thank you so i will say that this is kind of just gonna be a little bit of a round robin happening here with our first couple things so mike you want to go first with your first pick one of your favorite things is it's not necessarily holiday themed or comics related <laughs> or comics related, but you can take it how you will and take this knowledge and make your day or someone else's day a little bit brighter. So I'm really glad and excited for Player Unknown's Battlegrounds hitting 1.0 and officially releasing. So for those of you that don't know, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is a X game simulator that has been in early access uh, where you can do flips and stuff on bikes and sometimes also get into battles with people. But that's not the important part. The important part is driving around and doing sweet flips. So I've been playing a lot of that recently. No, it's it's actually a a shooting game. I've been playing that recently with a lot of good friends and uh, we've been having a blast. Our latest mission is one of the folks that I play with, Joel from Waypoint, has been trying to figure out how to do a double backflip on the new desert map with a bike. And then I also realized that we might be able to put a bike into the back of an open bed Bronco truck by flipping it in there. We don't play the game probably the way that it's supposed to be played and still manage to do really good in it anyway. So that's that's me. That's Battlegrounds. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, um, where, where can people get that? <laughs> you can get it on Steam. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's on itch.io or gog actually it's on humble too it's a video game you can get it where video games are sold you can also get it on xbox one 
but you shouldn't get it on Xbox One unless you really have to, because apparently the performance is abysmal. Video game consoles have more constraints than a computer, so they had to cut some corners off, make the cars a little less shiny, um, make the tires a little bit smaller. Dang it. I know. <laughs> it's damn shame. <laughs> no, I know that you've been enjoying playing that a lot for quite a few months now. So I'm glad that that is something that that brings you joy. <laughs> it does. Wow, that was... Uh... <laughs> I didn't mean for it to sound like that. Charlie's actually severely uh, worried because they worry that they need to stage an intervention when I play it for too long. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely a thing that happens. I know I try not to be extremely overbearing. And certainly for all of you people listening, if you don't already know, you which you may not, uh, Mikey and I have been actual partners for like the last five or six years. <laughs> so... When everyone mentions that, like, he and I have good chemistry, I'm like, I would certainly hope so. So if you were wondering, now you know. We're partners, but also best friends and also partners in crime. Yes. He is the teddy to my Billy. So there you go. There's one for Aww. you. Oh, I know. It's cute. It's oh, holiday thank season. you. Uh, <laughs> but that is, uh, I know a lot of people like playing that game and it's, like, really fun and intuitive. So it's not just your, I guess people do play it as, like a regular shooter but i mean i i I do i do do that sometimes i have to admit but like (laughs) the more fun way is just goofing around in it and then somehow ending ending up in the top 10 brief brief overview there's 99 people and you can play by yourself or play in a group i usually play by in a group because that's the best for goofs and you all theoretically compete to be the last person or team standing but like i said it ends up just being a lots lots of goofy car chases and flips and fun stuff like that like i don't know it's just really fun driving a car around in a desert and doing flips (laughs) with a dune buggy understandable understandable good well no like i said that's that's really fun so if anybody like wants to go check that out it's like super available for you to do so if you if you're into that sort of thing you know this is a, a comics podcast but sometimes these things go hand in hand yeah i think the xbox one early access is free until it goes live i'm not sure though don't quote me on that i don't have an xbox one all i know is what i know from the video game awards which i watched this year and were a thing that happened (laughs) yes they were they definitely were a thing that happened this is our death stranding podcast uh let's not (laughs) (laughs) no but yeah charlie uh i've taken up enough time talking about my goofy antics what's your first favorite thing that you want to talk about so my first favorite thing and i was thinking about whether i wanted to limit this to like things in 2017 that were favorite things or things that um like spanned a lot longer period of time but i couldn't not talk about um the current generation x run Mm. that's going on right now and unfortunately and very sadly will be coming to an end yeah Um, in in march that's the last we'll see of it. Generation X, if you don't know, was a comic that started back in the 90s. It was not the first school book, but it focused solely on like a bunch of new weirdo mutant kids in the 90s. It was written by Scott Lobdell, and it kind of was a lot of people's favorite book back then. They relaunched it during Resurrection, which was 
you know, after the Inhumans and the X-Men had their knockdown, uh, dragged out battle for supremacy, I suppose, all the X-Books relaunched under the Resurrection or Resurrection, however you want to say that. It's got a big X in the middle. Yeah, that was a weird one. Yeah, a little bit. And uh, Gen X is one of the titles they announced, and it's um, written by Christina Strain. I won't say friend of the show, but she's a very lovely individual. And um, it doesn't have any relation to the original comic, right? It just carries the same title. Well, it does because it actually has Jubilee, who was an original member of Generation oh, okay. X. She is working at the rebuilt Xavier Institute in Central Park after a whole bunch of shenanigans happened that I won't get into now. Um, so she's you know teaching there, and she's joined by Chamber, who is also an original member of Generation X. They are. The premise is kind of, you know, of all the class, like, there's some mutants that were cut out to be X-Men, and some mutants are cut out to be ambassadors to, like, humans and, like, try and make relations better. And then there's just some mutants that aren't cut out for either of those things. Um, and the team, you know, kind of came together with a bunch of mutants that were, you know, during Wolverine and the X-Men, like, the first volume, um, which you did read, Mikey. Yes, I did. <clears throat> so... I know iBoy is there, so Trevor, Nature Girl is there, who never got, you know, so much characterization for her very brief appearance in Volume 2 of Wolverine and the X-Men. Um, it's got Quentin Quire, it's got um, Morph, so Benji, so one of Bendis's X-Men kids that he introduced during his Uncanny run. And um, who am I missing? Oh, Bling. Got Bling. And is she missing Cecily? Oh, she's not in the book, but she's in. She's not in the the main cast, but she's in the book. Oh, so, okay. like, she's been in the book, uh, especially recently. Who's and who's the other kid that Benji? Is, oh, Nathaniel! Like... How could I forget yeah. about Nathaniel? He's a he's a new character, so that's probably why I my <laughs> brain stopped working. So hindsight, he is a brand new character. Um, he is Korean American, and he has the ability. He's got psychometry, so kind of like what Longshot can do. Um, like you can touch people and see like what they've seen. And that's like a really big plot point in the book, but it is so lovely. I enjoy reading every issue and I have since it started and it is very much a book about characters and not just a book about superheroes. Right. And that's what I always love about the, uh, that's what I love about the X-Men. Like the X-Kids books? Yeah, and the X-Kids books. Like, they focus on the char their characters. And I've always loved the mutants you shuffle off to the side, and I always want to see more of them. And I'm really disheartened that the book is ending, but, you know, it's been really, really good, and I hope um, that those characters go good places and I love Quentin a lot like he's one of my favorite characters uh, Christina had all probably had her work cut out for her bringing him like back to from the brink of the abyss yeah from from the little bit of abyss and weird stuff that had happened to him previously so I am very grateful for that um, everyone feels super down to earth and if you like books like that if you like queer romance books if you like queer characters if you like the x-men which all of those things should be in an x-men book all the time then definitely go read catch up on reading it by the trade the first volume of the trade is out now just go pick it up it's made my year and i think everybody should read it <laughs> yeah i was talking with a friend actually the other day about how the x movies failed on a lot of levels in my opinion like obviously they were huge commercial successes but 
they failed as X movies because they weren't interested in the school stuff or were interested in it for like arguably the wrong reasons. And it's a shame that we don't see more of that just overall because part of the reason why I think you and I got into doing this podcast about teen superheroes is that those are the characters that are kind of allowed, we're allowed to see those emotional arcs and character development arcs more so than we are for the adult heroes. Yeah. Just because of this presumption that when you're in your 20s or older that you have everything figured out. I mean, hell, they've got like Peter Parker running around as like a millionaire when like that's not even what Peter Parker's about. But like they don't talk about whether he feels weird about having this money. It's just like, okay, he's a millionaire. Go. It's a shame. And I hope I do hope that there's another book to pick up the reins because i haven't read all of it but from what you've showed me it's a really great book and it is one i intend to go back and read all of yeah no it's definitely really good and i love those characters and i love that everybody's getting their time in the sun because everybody deserves their time in the sun not just the same five x-men over and over yeah more background mutants yeah more background mutants hot take that's my hot Hot take. take yep more background mutants and more kissing in books yes, yes. absolutely yep of all kinds. <laughs> all right, that's that's mine. So it's back in your in your court. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about Runaways because I know you and I still have to catch up. We've only watched the first couple episodes, but even with that, Runaways is one of my personal favorite books. It often competes with Young Avengers for first place in my heart. Like if I had to give it to one or the other it'd probably be young avengers but runaways is a very close second for a lot of reasons and i was really nervous about that show because you know even with the netflix shows like i like jessica jones a lot and i thought that it did jessica jones very well and luke cage was pretty good but the other ones that i'm not going to talk about because i haven't seen were very not good and so I know for a while people were like, oh, you know, Marvel can't make a bad show. Um, And I know some people have watched Legion, but that was definitely one that kind of was on the back burner for a lot of folks. I have not watched it. A lot of people that like that show. Yeah. I I haven't seen it, so I I can't make a judgment on it. Yeah. No, I want to see it because I like David Holler as a character. David Holler, for those of you who don't know, aka Legion, is the son of Charles Xavier and Maura McTaggart. Nope. Gabrielle Holler. Gabrielle Holler. Right. Yeah. The other one. The other one. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) You will fix that in post. (laughs) So I was really anxious to see how this show is going to turn out and it has i have to say from what i've seen so far surpassed all of my expectations for this show there's a lot of things that they kind of changed in terms of when they come up just for the pace of a tv show and because you can't really you don't have like arcs and arcs and arcs to develop these characters like you do in comics so like for instance um carolina dean one of my favorite runaways from the very jump they make allusions to her sexuality and then within the first episode kind of go even further like they have her like looking at Nico Minoru, who's another character and the camera kind of focuses on Nico for a second and then kind of like pans away 
So I was like, hmm, that's interesting that they're having, that they're framing the shot in that way. And then, like, later, Carolina goes to a club and sees two girls making out and is, like, doesn't know what to do with this information. And that, I thought, was really good. Also, like, one of my greatest issues with a lot of media is how adults and script writers write teenagers. Because a lot of times the dialogue sounds super wooden or, like, no teen talks like that. Well, fellow teens. I'm yeah, here. like I know people have a lot of fondness for like Buffy and stuff like that, but I'm going to be real for a second. And I say this as someone that likes Buffy. No one talks like the teenagers do in Buffy. Like teenagers don't talk like that. And they sure as hell like adults don't either. So we accept it in TV because it's just like suspension of disbelief. But Runaways... All the characters sounded so natural and like the way they expressed their self-doubt and their anxiety and their frustration felt very real to me because it's like I've felt like that before. Like I've said stuff like that before and it was just so good. So I think almost the full season is up on Hulu now. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch it already, I would highly, highly recommend it if it's available to you. And that sounds like a thing that you're interested in. I love what they've done so far with Molly also, because Molly in the comics, I loved her, but she was kind of a ephemeral character. Like she didn't really have like clearly explained like where she comes from or what she's about for quite some time. They've tried, I think, to give her more of a place in the show. And that's really great too. like make it more clear who she is by making her explicitly be adopted. Good stuff. Yeah. No, if you like, um, if you like, obviously, if you like teen superheroes, um, you like, like, teen dramas in the vein of the OC or, what do you say, One One Tree Hill? Gossip Girl? Gossip One Tree Girl. Hill. Oh my god, One Tree Hill is, that's a fucking throwback, if I ever heard I'm one. Just, I'm just saying. Lord, like those, Dawson's Creek. Like... <laughs> See, the thing is, though. Runaways feels more real than those shows. Like, even though it's about yes. comic book heroes, like, I love teen dramas a lot, but like, no one thinks James Vanderbeek, even at the time, was like a 16 year old or whatever the hell he's supposed to be at the beginning of <laughs> Dawson's Creek. Katie Holmes was not a teenager, or at least not the ages they were supposed to be. Probably, actually, the closest thing is like a Degrassi. Probably. Yep. No, you're, you're right. Is more so than like the OC or One Tree Hill or something like that. You know, when you say that, it's like, um, it's like someone spliced the OC and Degrassi together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the best parts of those shows. Yeah. Yeah. Those shows. Um, I won't say it's a perfect show. I, there's some things that I take issue with. I'm not going to say them because they're spoilers, but overall, it's a really excellent show. And I think the, the few quibbles I have with it don't detract from the show as a whole necessarily so yeah no it's 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 excellent go check it out yeah it's for fans of all ages as if you have time over your our holiday break sit down and get that free trial of hulu if you don't already pay for it <laughs> and, and and check out some episodes it's really good yum um indeed all right what's your number two charlie <sighs> my second thing and i weighed this for a bit because i knew we were gonna get into it in the podcast in some extent mm -hmm. is I want to talk a lot about Shatterstar, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going to more generally <laughs> um, talk about original X-Force. I'm talking about X-Force, Cable, Domino, Shatterstar, Richter, Feral, Warpath, Siren, Cannonball, and Sunspot. All of those lovely characters. That's X-Force to me. Not Uncanny X-Force, not anything that's labeled X-Force. 
after that. That ruffles your feathers, I'm sorry. But I unabashedly love original X-Force, and that does also include, like, the first nine issues where Rob Liefeld is still working on the book. But mostly I'm here to talk about everything after that point. (laughs) So a lot of people will remember that book as obviously the epitome of the 90s, and it very much is the 90s, but it's also kind of an amazing teen drama. (laughs) Well, everyone remembers, like, the Liefeld art. Nobody digs yeah. deeper into it or i won't say nobody but the bad takes or the the surface level takes are the ones that kind of dominate yes not people like actually reading it and seeing what it's about it's all like oh look at how weird shatterstar's hair is that's so liefeld blah 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 no that's exactly right and i know that obviously you know life was on the book for a while before it kind of get got its footing so to speak, I mean, it wasn't, it was technically a new series at that point, And it kind of destroyed, you know, what a lot of people thought was their favorite or was a lot of people's favorite book and the new mutants. But once you get past that, and like, once you get to like, I would just give out numbers, you know, X-Force like night number 19 to probably 22. Those are like such like, amazing, Fast and the Furious style, like, team dynamic, like, weird, cool drama. I don't know. Like, if the Fast and the Furious was a family of teenagers instead of police and criminals. Exactly. It's so weird to me that, like, everything just, like, there's maybe, like, only one other person that feels, like, the same way, and that's Brett White, (laughs) formerly of of Comic Book Resources. But he wrote a really lovely article about X-Force and the Fast and the Furious and those two things. But... It is just, so it's right after Executioner's Song. Like, those issues in general are a point in time where Cable is presumed dead. He blew up with his spaceship Grey Malkin, so the only people on the team are the are the kids. And they are kids. They may not look like kids. They're only, like, 17 or 18 tops on that team. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to figure out what to do. They don't know, you know, Cable's gone in, you know, issue number 19, like I mentioned, like, Cannonball, like, has this, like, very terse conversation with Professor X about how Professor X thinks they should just, you know, stay at the school and, you know, not go and, like, help people or, or, you know, do what they were doing before. And, you know, Cannonball basically tells them no, that they've grown up and it's their choice that they're gonna do. So that kind of starts off this, like, little arc that just has them all interacting in, like, such good ways. And I don't know. It's it's some really good stuff. If you looked at X-Force and you saw, I don't want to read this because it's weird, I beg of you, just start after the life health stuff if you want and go from where Fabian Nicieza starts writing and taking control of that book and go from that point because it's a really good book. It's not all great, but it's, I don't know, it's just really good. <laughs> if I didn't like characters because of their creators i would not like quentin choir i would not like any character that was created by morrison yeah grant morrison so if that was the litmus test for liking a character or not like there's so many that would be like off bounds and that's a really weird thing to think about yeah even deadpool like i love deadpool as a character when written real like gary dugan's 
Deadpool run was amazing, but I mean, he's also a Liefeld character, so. Yeah, exactly. Looks can be extremely deceiving. So if you have a chance, go check out that period of X-Force, which is Fabian Nicieza writing and Greg Capullo drawing. Greg Capullo is the guy that works with Scott Snyder on all the Batman comics now. He designed those amazing 90s costumes and they are amazing. I don't care what anybody has to say about it. (laughs) I'll go into it at a deeper level because we will be covering this um, at some point. Go check it out on Marvel Unlimited. Go buy a trade. I believe those issues I mentioned are collected and trade together. I'm sure they'd be super cheap, too. Cause yeah, the, the back issues are, are cheap if you can find the floppies. But like I said, I think those issues and everything in Executioner's Song might be collected all together in trade. I believe it is. So go check it out if you have a chance and report back because I'd love to know what you think. If you're looking for more good, good teen comics. Surprisingly, you wouldn't know it, but it is definitely. I still need to read it myself. From what I've heard, it's kind of like a hidden gem. Hmm. How about you, Mikey? How about your number three? My number three is something that I've come back to and I've kind of loved ever since I just took it upon myself to watch it on Netflix uh, way back when on a kind of on a lark. Because I'm like, oh, you know, everyone talks about this. I should watch it and that's Twin Peaks. So I watched it, actually, weirdly enough, right before the announcement for season three came out. Twin Peaks, for all of its flaws, talk about weird stuff from the 90s. That's right in it with that, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was 1990, 1991, and then the the movie came out in 92, I believe. The moment the season three announcement came out, I literally cried the entire day. I, like, could could not believe it. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was losing it because I had just watched, like, mainlined the first two seasons on Netflix and just completely fallen in love with it. And, you know, it's like, well, that's what it is. You know, I need to watch the movie at some point. But other than that, you know, that's Twin Peaks. And then... I woke up one morning and checked Twitter, as I want to do, and saw David Lynch tweeting and tweeting, like, a video. And I'm like, what is this? And then I looked, and it was Twin Peaks' announcement. Because for those of you who don't know, there is a part in Twin Peaks when one of the characters says, I'll see you again in 25 years. And that gummy like is going to come back in style. So I believe David Lynch just tweeted a video with the comment, that gummy you like is going to come back in style. And it was a very teaser announcement of season three. I was crying. I Every time I thought about it, I was crying. And so it's like like um, like three weeks ago when I saw Shatterstar, like in canon Shatterstar yeah, for yeah. the first time in no. like three years and I actually cried. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly that. Just could not believe it that this was going to happen. Uh, But despite that, like, I don't like to watch stuff by myself if I don't have to. Like, this was, I kind of just watched it on a whim and then couldn't stop. But I had had some plans to watch the movie with some folks, which had been really difficult to get your hands on for a while. Because it actually just recently came out to rent on Amazon digitally. Before that, you had to acquire a DVD somehow. And I don't really have DVD players. Like, I have one in my TV, but that's about it. So I had like plans to watch it with a friend and that fell through and like and I I didn't have showtime either when the return the season three came out. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to spend all the money to watch it on TV because it's it's silly to, you know, spend what's for me like 
$10 a month, like just to watch one show. So I watched the the movie that comes after the main series recently with a friend. And that was incredible. It was actually like my favorite part of Twin Peaks. So I'm getting ready oh, so to you watch. Like Fire- Did you like Firewalk with me? Yeah, no, it was really good. Firewalk with me is really good. It was took the part of Twin Peaks that I like probably the most or the parts, I guess, and smooshed them together. So it's all like weird teen drama and also like weird uh, law, like special agent stuff. And that's the whole movie. Like it cuts out all the other stuff. And that's literally what I think is the best part of Twin Peaks and also my favorite part of Twin Peaks. So that being the entire movie. Also, it has David Bowie in a zoot suit. Which is incredible, um, and I'm so, sure I'm I'm absolutely sure about that. As as like a weird, as, as like a weird guy that has things going on with him somehow. Like it's I don't want to like describe it in case folks haven't seen it, but it's incredible. So like I watched that, and then I watched the missing pieces. So the movie is like an hour and a half, I think. Maybe no, it's like two fifteen, and then there's deleted scenes that were released recently in preparation for the return, those deleted scenes are another 90 minutes. And so I'm like, well, this is a little silly. Like, I feel silly. Um, but it's some like, people say... It's like having to watch the... Uh, it's like having to watch the unfinished end of Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah. Like, to well, complete your gaming experience. Yeah, because honestly, if I hadn't gone back and watched the deleted scenes, like, there was a lot of context that was provided in those. And the full version of the scenes with david bowie which made way more sense than what made it into the i don't want to say theatrical release because i don't know if it got a theatrical release but what made it into the original cut and then i've been listening to the secret diary of laura palmer which is a companion book that was released between season one and season two um and audible has a version of that that's read by the actress and it's really good and helped me understand kind of what was going on in the character's mind a little bit more. So, like, I think one of the reasons I like Twin Peaks, too, is, like, the surrealism aspect in Twin Peaks kind of acts as a metaphor for, like, the secrets that people in small towns don't tell each other and, like, keep buried and, like, the things that they don't want to, like, let get out on the surface level and, like, the shitty things that people do to each other but never talk about. So, um, and, like, the secret pain that, that, you know, teens have to hold inside themselves, like, growing up. If you have anything, any problems, like, growing up as a kid that was, quote-unquote, gifted, whatever that means, with science and technology. And, like, as someone that was supposed to be, like, this perfect kid, but, you know, like, all kids go through problems. I really like Twin Peaks for that regard, too. Also, I just like weird um, supernatural stuff. So... It's it's really like a perfect storm for me. There is a lot of like uh, very rough content in Twin Peaks, especially in the later seasons. So like that's definitely a consideration. But for me, like watching and listening to the stuff is cathartic. And I'm really excited to finally get to watch the return once I'm like prepared. <laughs> you got to prepare, man. I got to prepare. I-, I-, I only know um one of my favorite pastimes is just listening to people that I love tell me about the things that they love. So mm, I, um, like, all kind of during this, the whole part of the return, and I've never watched the original Twin Peaks, and I'm not so sure it's for me just because 
sometimes them get, get a little spooked about stuff. Yeah, it's it's really weird too. And there's yeah. parts of it that are definitely And that stuff sometimes doesn't always uncomfortable. Like, I, I can't always watch that or give it the attention it deserves. So um you know, my one of my good friends just talked to me all about like her experience with the return as it was coming out, and I kind of like I got all that all this information about Twin Peaks backwards, <laughs> like I like it, which is kind of like a very Twin Peaks thing to do, right? Um, is yeah, to get sure. all this to get all this information about the series like from season three and then go back. <laughs> that's kind of how I do a lot of that's kind of how I like experience a lot of media now that I think about it. I like I'll start I'll start something in media res and like have to go backwards. So spoiler alert, timelessness or things happening out of time sequence or time not being a factor in things is a huge part of Twin Peaks. Like from even from what I watched and from what I understand becomes an even bigger part of the return. So honestly, like you're not not necessarily going against anything by kind of having that yeah. exposure and I, I i haven't watched it but i i definitely have heard all a lot about it and you know it's very interesting i'm glad that it's it came back and fulfilled a lot of people and boggled a lot of people's minds um in regards to you know the things that happened but i'll have to get your input when you when you watch the the return yeah and for me it's just incredible too because like i don't think it's any secret that Twin Peaks came out at a time when networks were not very kind to their creators of shows. Like, I think Moonlighting before it, like, was almost destroyed by, in the latter parts, by how it was aired out of sequence and executives fiddling. Because we hadn't really gotten to the age of media where uh, television shows were supposed to be these big tentpole things. We were still, like, Twin Peaks was kind of the first of its kind in that it was the precursor to what we would understand now almost as like television events or like HBO anytime HBO puts out a show Twin Peaks was kind of the originator of that kind of thing because it was like movie quality content that was on television in prime time and Disney or sorry not Disney they own everything now it's okay <laughs> ABC which I believe is the network that yes you're correct the Twin Peaks aired on didn't understand really what they had so their response was of course to metal it continued to happen throughout the 90s like that happened to lois and clark the new adventures of superman it happened with even with married with children um to the point where in the simpsons to the point where married with children started to have jokes about it and all kinds of stuff like and it still happens today but like that was the big heyday for it but you know i don't think david lynch ever really got to finish the story he wanted to tell and for better or for worse, I say only because I haven't seen it yet, I'm glad that he finally got to like put that to rest because it was something that he fought to make happen even now rather than just bringing them back for one last hurrah and not actually being interested in it uh, because it was something that kind of sat with him, I think. Like, I don't think him putting out the movie and stuff like that was just because he wanted to get more Twin Peaks out there. I don't think David Lynch works like that. He wanted to get the story out there. I did also get a Welcome to Twin Peaks Access Guide to the Town, which is a pamphlet. Like, it's supposed to be in-universe, but it's a book. And it's got, like, <laughs> Charlie, you would love this. It's formatted like an Audubon guide. It's got, like, all the native 
animals like the pine weasel and a raccoon and it's got like a recipe for pie and tells you like how like what you can do at different parts of the year in Twin Peaks it's like super like the kind of thing that a small town would put out in the 90s for tourists and Mm -hmm. I'm it's of questionable canonicity but I'm glad it exists because I love shit like that anyway that's me talking about Twin Peaks Yes, no, I, everybody should go check it out. I believe it's on Netflix. Well, not everyone. If you, if it sounds like something you'd be into, because I, yeah. I recognize it's not something that everyone would be into. Understandable. But if you think that sounds like something that you'd like, I think you can watch the majority of what's out, except for maybe The Return on Netflix. Yeah, Firewalk With Me and The Return are not available on Netflix, but what we're going to do, what my friend and I are going to do is Daisy Chain free trials of showtime together so that we can watch the return without paying money nice that'll be once the that's why i've got the audiobooks to tide me over until we come back from the holidays because we can't (laughs) get together to watch it right now but we've got a strategy all right well thank you for enlightening my year has been surprisingly about twin peaks uh (laughs) this last (laughs) half of my year so um i know a lot of people that listen to the show um my friend adam um and uh really likes twin peaks too so that's that's good it's a good experience watching people watch twin peaks via the internet um <laughs> such as a window like a casual of, observer uh, exactly 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 i feel like that's a lot of how people look at me when i like explode about <laughs> stuff so um, do you have what's what's next for us charlie okay my third thing and it unfortunately um is another casualty of <laughs> of i'm not sure if this one's a casualty of uh cancellations or if it was just meant to end i have been like super enjoying dennis hopeless's run on gene gray the teenage gene gray that is not the adult gene gray who will be returning this month which i think has something to do with the fact that teen gene is no longer going to have a solo book Mm. but this book has just been so good it is like hopeless writes gene so well and he has for quite a while, like, writing Jean, like, as the, like, point of view character for um, X-Men Season 1 was his first, like, Marvel gig. And, like, you can just tell that he has such a fondness for her. Yeah. X-Men Season 1 is a great book, too. Yeah. And this book has just been all about um, Jean preparing for Phoenix to return and trying to do everything she can desperately to avoid the fate that she knows you know befell like her older self exploding into a fiery blaze and wanting to kill everyone yes for those of you who don't know what the phoenix force is yeah so that has been you know basically the premise of this book and was been guiding through her through it so but the thing the way that the it's kind of gone about it it's like her like jean going to different people and like asking for help basically like having like training sessions with people basically and that's not the training sessions aren't like what the book is about but like one issue find like sees her like insulting with everybody else who's been a phoenix like host or potential phoenix host so you know hope like hope and gene meet for the first time like hope hope summers uh cable's adopted daughter daughter yes thank you for the editor notes that's that's a mikey editor note um i got you covered um, you know, Rachel Summers, um, Quentin Quire, uh, you know, just, like, people that have been touched by the Phoenix, 
like magic like because she was a phoenix you know she was mm-hmm. host of the phoenix during avengers x-men and yeah that i'm not gonna a... try to explain rachel summers right now no i can't, I can't do that. that quickly we're not doing that she's just another mental... summers that's all you need to know yeah we, we're not doing this mental gymnastics right now um but like that was one and like talking to them each of them about the phoenix and their trauma with the phoenix and it's that was so interesting and like um, she like talked to psylocke about like honing her mental you know the totality of her, her mental powers. Um, and, like, this last part, like, this last kind of arc has been called Psych Wars. Jean actually had some time with Wanda, like, before this started, and Doctor Strange, and had has been basically saddled with the ghost of her, of adult Jean. Like, the ghost of adult Jean had been, like, talking to her, like, this whole time, and she sounds bad. Yeah, she didn't know why, and then Doctor Strange kind of figured it all out, but what he didn't know is that the ghost of adult Jean stuck around. Like, she didn't, like, yeah, she didn't banish it. So, you know. Doctor Strange is bad at being a magician, or wizard, or sorcerer, whatever title he has du jour, but I'm gonna go in and say Doctor Strange is bad at his job. (laughs) No, you're probably extremely correct, Um, but... You know, and this whole last part has been, like, Jean, uh, the ghost of adult Jean had, like, pulled, like, teen Jean into Emma Frost's mindscape to, like, to find a fragment of the Phoenix Force, basically, that she had kept hidden away. And the last couple issues have all been this romp through Grant Morrison's new X-Men via, like, Dennis Hopeless. And it's... Like, that was amazing. That issue where they went back to, like, in the right in the middle of, like, Riot at, at Xavier's. That. Oh, my God. That was, yeah, that was. A, you didn't definitely. tell me about that. Yeah, it was such That's a so good, good thing. And, like, like, coming back from that and, like, the way that Hopeless writes Emma Frost and, like, and adult Jean, like, that back and forth is so good. And, like, I'm upset to see it coming to an end. But, like, I kind of knew that it had to because yeah. of what's going to be happening. But if you have kind a chance. Kind of like what happened with Wolverine and the X-Men, too. Uh, uh, but, yeah, Wolverine the Jason Wolverine, too. Run. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's real good. And if you have a chance, like, go pick it up and read it. Like, because there are, there is one trade out right now. I do know that. Um, it's on my Amazon wish list if anyone wants to buy it for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, just, I really hope that Hopeless gets to write, like, Emma Frost again. Like, it, it, it's it been so unexpectedly delightful. Like, I didn't know that I needed it, and I definitely need it. Because, basically, the last issue was brought together. Emma, the Cuckoos, Choir, Hope, um, and they're all, they were all together, like, to help Jean deal with the Phoenix. And that's just such a cool thing. How many psychics? Yeah, that's can we really put, neat. How many psychics can we put in a room aside from Hope? You know. <laughs> yeah, and um, Hopeless has such a gift for writing dialogue. I think too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because he also wrote. Did he? He wrote something with some of the young. Yeah. Original um, all five. New, all X-Men. new X Men. Yeah, oh, like he wrote all new X Men. Yeah, and bit. that was really good. But yeah. No, go check it out. It's really good and. I appreciate it a lot, and I know Hopeless is working on something new for Marvel. I just don't know what it is. So I will definitely be there to check it out when it pops off, so to speak. Yeah. So 
now that we've gone through all of our favorite things, time for more of my favorite things, which are some of the questions that we've gotten from folks through various <laughs> media about comics and holidays. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Would you like to read our first one? It was definitely a free for all with these questions. But um, on Twitter, our lovely editor Everett Christensen asked us, who amongst the Hellfire inner circle does or does not get in on a holiday bash? Is it a very bondage Christmas indeed or more traditional? <laughs> you know, I think the first thing I can think of is that Sebastian Shaw is like super, I can't see the holiday party for the Hellfire Club as being anything other than like something out of a Vampire the Masquerade role-playing game, which is like just a bunch of like inner Hell Club politics, but with this very like Edwardian dramatic flair happening all the time also, because like that's what I think of when I think of the Hellfire Club. They're basically vampires without vampiric powers. Like, all of the stereotypes around vampires. I mean, Celine is kind of a, va- a psychic vampire, Oh, right? God. You're right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, like, so, Emma Frost got out while again was good, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't think Emma would want to go. I think she's put, at least current Emma has put the Hellfire Club behind her. Yeah. And for the better, I would say. I don't think Ghost of Jean Grey would go to the <laughs> oh the Hel- black queen yeah no yeah no, i don't no, think she'd no. get in is selene uh, no. even still around yes selene is still around um basically the original hellfire club so uh, sebastian shaw emma frost selene harry leland that Ooh. name i'm sure rings a bell <laughs> no and donald and donald pierce donald pierce should know who donald pierce is all He's i can a- think of also when i think of hellfire club I know this is, like, specifically Inner Circle, but for some reason I'm seeing, like, the few people from the OG Hellfire Club that are still around and would come in. So, like, probably, like, Shaw, maybe Celine, begrudgingly, and, like, the other folks, minus Emma and... And every- I'm gonna tell you, everyone else is basically dead. So we're not worried about that, yeah. Yeah, so there's, like, a few adults, and then pan the camera over to a small table with a bunch of children sitting at it. Oh god, the bad children! Yeah, because the current, or most current iteration of the Hellfire Club is a bunch of kids, because that was an arc in Wolverine and the X-Men in Jason Aaron's run. Um, Was there a bunch of shitty kids? Like, one is, like, a Lolita girl. Like, she's the white queen. And then I think there's, like, a hacker boy. And then there's another boy in a really ill-fitting suit that his whole deal is that he's the leader of this whole operation. So, like, picture Sebastian Shaw and, like, a couple other adults at this big table. And so there's, like, very few people at this big table. And then, like, over on the other side of the room, there's a small table with a bunch of kids and shitty teens sitting at it and <laughs> they invited quentin choir and maybe he shows up to crash the party yeah no that's the or party, they didn't right? invite him and he comes and crashes the party i think it's yeah. more accurate yeah no i i agree um because supposedly quentin is a is a member of the hellfire club now but i agree that he comes but and probably he ruins all yeah, responsibility exactly and ruins the entire affair so i think it's probably an extremely traditional party um with the shitty kids table for the mini hellfire club that quentin Quire probably just ruins because the the recent iterations also of like hellfire club parties that we've seen have been very traditional and very bougie 
So yeah, just like essentially if vampires had holiday parties, but also they were a bunch of shitty kids. Um that's that's good, my, good <laughs> that's answer. My take. That's my answer. Um <laughs> next question comes to us from my dear friend Anna Landine on Twitter. Um if you don't know if Anna she's on Twitter at Anna Landine, I believe. Her art is amazing and you might want to check it out if you like good art and also like role playing games because she draws a lot of that. So she asks, Dear Charlie and Mikey, Billy Kaplan holiday sweater, opinions? Mine is yes. Very yeah, I mean, yes. Absolutely yes. Uh, I mean So my my headcanon is that his Jewish grandmother knits him a sweater every holiday season for Hanukkah and it's one of those things where like you have to keep it like you can't get rid of your grandma's sweaters like you can't get rid of them and it's always like this really lumpy package and so some of them have like dinosaurs on them some of them are very traditional like blue and silver with like the star of David on them some of them like, maybe she found out somehow that he liked Lord of the Rings and she tried to, like, knit a wizard into one of the sweaters, but it's kind of misshapen. But, like, that's <laughs> Billy's favorite, of course. And he yes. wears it even though it's a little too small for him. And Billy's, I think Billy's the type of kid that would wear wear a ugly Christmas sweater, but not think of it as an ugly Christmas sweater. Like, you'd have to be informed that that, that maybe is something that's happening. Yeah. I Yeah, I think he would he would wear them... Probably up until an age where he realized that it was uncool and then <laughs> like maybe would be embarrassed about it for a couple years and then would maybe start wearing them again ironically. Yes. No, I But agree. also not ironically at the same time. <laughs> that's the epitome of Billy Kaplan, so Yeah. So that's I, our I that's agree. our holiday sweater opinions. Yeah. That that is no, definitely great um like uh, Jewish grandmother holiday sweaters, and I'm sure Billy Kaplan loves them and keeps them very close to his heart. Yes. Our next but question, also in a drawer with mothballs. Yes, also that. Um, our next question comes from um, at Xavier Files on Twitter, who is a good friend of the show, um, so Zach, and he asks, um, which young Avenger believed in Santa the longest? So, I had an answer. What's your answer? I think it's a toss-up between uh, Teddy altman and eli what was your I was answer i was going down the same road i'm pretty sure it's teddy i'm pretty sure teddy believed in santa the longest yeah i mean his mom is like a like protestant or like like she's some kind of like non-denominational christian i believe was canon at some point the reason i say eli is because eli seems to me like the kind of got the kind of kid that would like, he's extremely loves, like, looking up to heroes, or at least he did when he was younger, looking up to heroes and, like, believing in things and, like, the goodness and justice in the world. So, like, that's why I feel like he would be the one. Also, he lives with his grandma and granddad, and I feel like grandma, like, absolutely was like, yeah, Santa. And Eli's yeah. like... No, now that you now that you say that, I, I think, you know, I think you're right. <laughs> As somebody that... um as somebody that wants to believe in the best, I believe that that's good. That's a really good point. I'm gonna, I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to cheat yeah, off the test. Like, I'm going to change my answer. <laughs> yeah, like Teddy also believed in Santa for a while, but I think also like when you realize that your mom's trying to tell you that you're a normal kid, but also you have super strength and can shapeshift. Like I feel like maybe you're like like Teddy definitely 
said that he still believed in Santa, but I think he didn't actually like after a certain point, but he did it to make his mom happy. Whereas I think Eli genuinely did. And like, also I feel like had some really like Christmas is very important. I think in the Bradley household or just holidays in general, because I don't want to like, like, I know that his uncle like has disappeared now, but I feel like they would just have maybe even like a non-denominational holiday celebration if his uncle was around, but Santa was definitely a part of that regardless. So, yeah, no, I feel the same way. Uh, you, that very convincing argument. My answer was Teddy, but I, I think you're <laughs> right in thinking that he told his mom definitely that he believed in Santa longer than he actually did, which is something that he would totally do. <laughs> so. Yeah. So the next question comes to us from David, uh, Doreen Green, I think. Yes. On, on Twitter. Girl, girl, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, the idea of Billy being a secret Santa for the team and being a huge nerd uh, and getting and getting really into it randomly popped up in my head. And now I really want to know what he ends up getting everyone. So I think I mentioned non-denominational holidays before. So I think, uh, and we talked about this some in the Discord, Billy definitely celebrates Hanukkah, but probably there's also some like non-denominational Christmas stuff going around. I don't know if they yeah. have a tree, but um, like it's definitely like okay in in their household to celebrate um christmas or at least santa yeah, no, type stuff absolutely. I, absolutely i feel like he definitely was a santa kid yeah so i think i think what he would get eli is definitely like the latest version of whatever like if this was in the year 2017 i think eli or i'm um, sorry billy would definitely get eli the new tekken game um tekken or street fighter it's a toss-up um but we haven't gotten to it yet but eli really loves fighting games and the team he's often seen playing them with different members of the team and being a total nerdo over it uh much as eli would not like to admit that that's what that he's nerd nerdy enough to like be into video games that much um like i think if you ask him it's probably just like i it's just a thing i like i'm not video games aren't super important to me Mm -mm. but um that's what billy gets him and i think like his eyes light up (laughs) that's that's my my thought if we're talking about like billy is in regards to like billy getting stuff for everything like when we meet him and like i feel like i feel like billy is very much a themed gift giver so mm-hmm. I feel like if we're talking about if we go back and talk about maybe like the like first iteration of the team that we're still talking about now maybe even mm. mi- minus Iron Lad of course I yeah. feel like the first the first Christmas that they were all Young Avengers together I feel like Billy just got everybody like <laughs> like things to do with their like new costumes like he just like oh my got god them, you're right you're, he just got them very thoughtful gifts like um like. Like some like something better for like Kate to keep her arrows in like things like that like I feel like he just got everybody like a themed like here this is gonna make us better superheroes gifts yeah well that's why I said like a fighting game because I bet he's like here's a new training sim for you Eli you can get better <laughs> at fighting moves but also like I know that you like this and just try to downplay how much you like it yeah no and um the team dynamic the team roster is gonna change a little bit as we 
finally go forward. Um, so what I would like to really talk about, I'm not going to talk about right now. Uh, yeah. You know what? He um, probably got Teddy. He probably got his grandma to knit Teddy like a yellow scarf that looks like the tank, the turtleneck that he has in his uniform. Oh, you're right. So Teddy's nose won't get cold. <laughs> that's really cute. Oh, see, now everybody's that, got That's mold. the kind of stuff that he would do. No, that's the type of stuff that Billy would do. Absolutely. Um, so I'm sorry I didn't go into detail in your question, David, but um, Hart was there. If I could really expound on this. I w- we did, but we did, but we didn't, like, name it for every character because I'd have to put a little more thought into it. No, it's it's a thing for Kate for her arrows, like a new, like, um, quiver. Yeah. And then. <laughs> there you go. It took me a while. Um, and then, like, probably a video game or something for Eli. and then a scarf for teddy and that's everyone minus iron lad that's the whole team oh cassie cassie oh what would he get cassie hmm i think he would get cassie maybe like but something like regarding their new powers or something i think maybe he'd get her like a stretchy bracelet or something like so she maybe can accessorize he, maybe, he would, maybe he would get her like an actual like maybe a new sweater if she actually like grew out of one you know what i mean maybe she actually Aww. like ripped maybe she like ripped some of her clothes that's yeah which i feel Wait, like ha- we, would happen do you think are we saying that like billy maybe actually knows how to knit because that's kind of what it's seeming like like his it grandma seems, ta- it's it seems like that yeah doesn't it yeah, like maybe he's not very good at knitting, but damn it, he tries. I feel that, and everyone accepts his g- gifts both begrudgingly and not begrudgingly. Well, it's not from Billy; it's from Santa, and he shows up like wearing the beard, like he magics a beard and a hat, but like is still himself underneath. Like absolutely this, a thousand percent. This is the truest thing. This is the truest thing. I will accept nothing else. All right, um, so. Uh, our next question and um we've got, bless, we've got several from bless, this individual which bless, is good um casey's heart and his from at an actual dinosaur on twitter um he gave us several questions I think it's at casey crook actually yeah it is actual it dinos an actual places. dinosaur in other places but um he gave us a lot of questions should we just maybe do two of these <laughs> i'm gonna read them all and then maybe we can pick what we want to answer because some of them are really good, and one of them has a really obvious answer. Um, yeah. So these are the questions. In an alternate universe, would Kang the Conqueror and Little Kang have released a cover of Just the Two of Us? Did Big Kang get Little Kang holiday or birthday presents? Were they good ones? Is Vision a good dad? I don't have a lot of experience with my dad living inside me as a spirit. I have to follow up on some of these. Would Will and Jaden still have done the cover? Whose cover is better? Why are Speed and Wiccan related and look exactly the same but have different parents and different powers and different names? Uh, what would the Young Avengers have as their aim handles? So these are all very good. One of them um, is spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Speed and Wiccan. Who's Speed? I don't know who you're talking about. Um, young Aven- What do the Young Avengers have your- as their aim handles? Uh, at some point, this was made canon. Yes. At least for... Uh, a couple Instagram. members of the team like instagram well, right but even before that i think uh in young avengers presents uh we see billy's screen for a second and he and teddy are on aol instant messenger oh my god you're right yep so 
I can't remember what they are offhand, but when we get is, there, I will absolutely tell you. I think this is in canon. Yeah, Billy's so. is like actual wizard six six six, right? Yeah, something like that. Yes, yeah. you are correct. I don't remember what Teddy's is, but um, no, they IM each other all the time. They like play, yeah. they like play MMO MMORPGs with each other all the time. Come on, yeah, yeah, which is uh, a common thread because I think the same, uh, right? Because not only do they play fighting games together, Eli and Billy and Teddy also play all play MMOs together. And I think it's all supposed to be the same MMO as the MMO that the Runaways are shown playing in their volume one. So a little bit of continuity there for you. Yeah. And apparently, according to um, some pretty recent issues of Secret Warriors, um, Kamala Khan belongs to a message board that has um, that also Billy and Teddy belong to also amazing um, incredible yeah it's it's Perfect. actually very incredible um but um i yeah. i think there's an alternate universe if okay you know how there were the battle worlds in secret wars i yeah. think in the battle world that is dominated by who's his butts um the shatter stars like big bad are you talking about mojo yeah in mojo world um so mojo world for those of you who don't know oh god we can't kill god can we oh, no we're going, no we're just, going just give me a second in mojo world for those of you who don't know everything is reality tv and show business so in this universe the alternate version of king big king and little king would have done a cover of just the two of us because everyone has like show business stuff so they're like wills uh king the conqueror and all his like kanglings are like that universe's version of Will Smith and Jaden and um Willow and no they wouldn't have done the cover um I can't imagine that Kang or Nate are good singers so it's probably not good but again like that that's just a that's a thing so that's that's my answer yeah, no, um, I'm going to stick with your answer involved Mojo World, so I guess I'll stick with your answer. Um, and then, is Vision a good dad? No. No. Next question. <laughs> Next question. Like, extremely no. Thumbs down. No. Yeah, very bad. Like, I feel like a lot of people say that the Vision and Martian Manhunter are very similar because their power sets and look are very similar. I'm going to hazard that uh, the closer analog to the vision is actually dr manhattan <laughs> because yeah. at one point like the vision's just like nope bye oh right you have you're having problems wanda no i'm gone bye um which is not good um he's not entirely 100 percent at fault at that but i don't think he's a good dad in the new vision series either <laughs> definitely not okay that vision that series is real good though um yeah. you should check it out um um apocalypse on twitter asks is father christmas an omega mutant or a god charlie you have a very detailed answer for this one (laughs) or a rather a very specific answer i wish i didn't um so in 616 canon uh so marvel prime if you're if 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 you're nasty i guess um (laughs) fucking santa claus is a mutant and I'm like the most powerful mutant. So like all of his So he abilities, is actually an omega mutant. Like he is an omega yeah, that is really or... what what's going on there. So I mean, I guess you could say that's akin to a god, but like his powers, like him like 
his powers of flight and like being invisible to children and like weird things like that. <laughs> like that is definitely Santa's mutant power. And like he also like fought with the X Men at some point and also Okay, so turned... that's that ties in to our next question from Bill the Cat, which is which hit superhero pantheon would Santa Claus fit into? So turn the bo- Brotherhood of Evil Evil Mutants into toys once. <laughs> Not a joke. That is uh, no, not a I joke. know. I, I'm aware. Um. All right. I think. I think. I think Marvel super. I think Marvel Santa Claus is maybe a super villain. Oh Lord! <laughs> it's just buttering those kids up for, um, getting on their good side and then being able to use them through. I don't know what he'd do with them, but not anything good. I I'll guess labor maybe. anyway next question um next question comes from lucas what kind of top hat would emma frost wear i I think if anything kinds of top hats yeah i i don't actually know i mean if anything i feel like if pressed um i can't i think she wears like a cloche in her canon version of like so there's a point at which she goes into Cyclops's mind, and Cyclops's mindscape is all the like X ladies. Um, oh, sorry, not Cyclops. Um, Wolverines. No, it is Cyclops. It's Cyclops. Um, yeah, yeah. All the X ladies are in like Roaring Twenties attire, and I think she's got a cloche on in that, like a white cloche in that. But I think if she had to wear a top hat, I think it would be a Fascinator style top hat. With where it's like got like the lace and stuff coming out of it, it's all white and it's like off to the side. Um, but I don't think that she's a very like hat wearing person. No, she's got fabulous hair. Why would you put yeah. a, hat, a hat on that? Right, exactly. And yeah. it would just fall off when she turns into diamond form. Anyway, like that's not yeah. staying on. No, so, it's not staying on at all. So um, it's very telling yeah. that Scott gives her a hat, and I don't think she's ever worn a hat like in canon, <laughs> like normally. <laughs> no. Scott, what are you doing? We just don't even know. His mind is a mess. <sighs> yeah. Well, well he's, he's dead now. So. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, Silent in there. Alert. He's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so, I don't quite know how to answer the next one. So, so um, Adam Reck on Twitter asks, What's a better Christmas adjacent story? A love story from classic X-Men number six or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Leonardo one shot? So... I'm okay. I got. I'm gonna just be honest. I've never read either of these. So, what I know about uh, the classic X Men backup stories is the kind. They're kind of goofy. Yeah, and he's what kind I enough know, to post images from both. Yeah, of them. and so what I'm gonna do is I am going to look at these two images and describe them to you, and I want you to tell me which one you think is more Christmas oriented. So. I have these two pictures, and one is for the classic X-Men, X-Men backup story, and it is um, a lovely, it's, it's a Stanley Presents story, of course, it's classic X-Men, and it is Jean walking home, I believe, from the grocery store in the snow, and it's just like a zoom in on her. So that's what I'm looking at right now. The All other right, one, the, one? the other one is... Uh, Leonardo, well, Leonardo's not on the cover of this. This is rough. No. Oh, man, there's a continuity error <laughs> on the front of this one. So it's supposed to be Leonardo, and maybe it's a plot point in the story. I'm not sure. But it is um, 
Leon, supposedly Leonardo, who's got the, the swords, but he's wearing the red bandana, and that is not his bandana color. Leonardo's bandana is blue, and Raphael's is red. So I'm not sure if this is perhaps colored incorrectly, but he is standing um, in front of a bunch of uh, foot soldiers who are all like, they're ready to fight him. So... I'm just going to go on can... instinct here, and I'm going to mm-hmm. say Leonardo just because the fact that there's presumably a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Christmas story at all is incredible. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and this cover's pretty banging, too. It's pretty good. Yeah, look. and I'm going to make up the fact that, like, uh, maybe Leonardo had to, like, moonlight as, as like, uh, Raph for, like, some sort of Christmas reason. What if he put on the red mask because it's a Christmas color because then he's red and green and he has to teach, uh, he has to save the true meaning of Christmas because it's being stolen from, yeah, because it's being stolen by Shredder. Like Carmen Sandiego style. I like it. That's the new plot to this book. (laughs) Whatever it was before, it isn't now. (laughs) Yeah, that's the new plot book to this book and um, my number one favorite Christmas story from now on. (laughs) Move over, die hard. Um, next question from my good friend, the first Sterling. Yo, which superhero is best at wrapping presents, though? This is, mm, well, you know what? I want to say you know Billy because we, can... we know it's not Wolverine, right? Like, we know <laughs> that we know that Wolverine's not good at wrapping Christmas gifts, right? Yeah. You know, I want to say Billy, but I feel because like magic powers, but I feel like he oh, doesn't. Oh. Use okay. his magic powers because, like, that ruins the magic. Okay. I feel like it's Teddy because he could shift himself infinite arms. Yes. If we're talking about the Young Avengers. But you know who's probably the best at actually wrapping Christmas presents? Doug Ramsey? Maybe. But uh, Quicksilver. You're right. Because he mm-hmm. could just, like, s- spend what is to him an infinite amount of time wrapping them. Yes. And would be really fast. Exactly. Also, so like, I think, yeah, fat, done is better than perfect anyway, so. Exa- exactly. Like, when you're on a time crunch. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, so, no. Pietro Maximoff, and, uh, a.k.a. Quicksilver, um, has no time for your gifts, but he will wrap them for you. <laughs> would he even wrap them, though, or would he, no. would he just, like, show them? Now, you know, I would like to believe that he would wrap them. On a good day, Pietro yeah. wraps presents. You have to find him on a good day. But if you do that, then he's he's your man. Yeah. Um, Sterling also had another question regarding who brings the mistletoe to the Christmas celebration and also who can be found under the mistletoe the most. Um, I feel like the person that brings the mistletoe is Captain America. <laughs> it's a Christmas like, tradition, right? He's, yeah, he's, a, he's like an old heart and an old soul. Quite literally, and also like very into traditions. So, like at the Avengers Christmas party, Cap is absolutely the one that brings the mistletoe, even though he's like, you don't really have to kiss under it. You can just give each other a nice warm hug, mm-hmm. um, which is not the spirit of mistletoe. But he tells people that so they don't have to feel awkward. Um, so if this is the Avengers Christmas party, who do you think's found under the mistletoe the most, or like most conspicuously, Charlie? Most conspicuous, like so, just hanging out adjacent to the mistletoe. No, the the people that get like super making out hardcore under the mistletoe. 
maybe like without quite intending to. Hmm. I want to say. Or maybe like Wanda's chaos magic like <laughs> intervenes and then they just both find themselves there through her manipulation of probability. Perhaps. I want to say if that's the case, then it's got to be like, it's got to be Clint, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be Clint. Clint kissing? It, yeah, exactly. Hmm. It's got to be an Avengers member, so. Who was, um, in the panel that Chris Anka drew where everyone's, like, hanging out with and kissing and hugging everyone else, um, in Chris Anka's, like, fan fiction that was published for Marvel, um, who is, who is Clint hanging out with there? Is it, it's not Daredevil, right? No, I don't think it is, but I'd be into it. He's not an Avenger, though. Um. Sometimes Avenger. Sometimes that's that it's it's clint and someone else i mean clint is is in a book with uh bucky barnes right now and if that's not like a fantastic uh team up i don't know what is it's always had a thing for wanda though yeah the clint's thing for wanda is like a huge thing yeah that will become maybe not relevant but we'll probably get into it later yeah yeah i don't know clint needs somebody to love that's for sure Maybe he just hangs out under the mistletoe and hopes to find somebody there. Oh, and that's who sad. That, and who that might be is up to our lovely listeners' imaginations. I think probably the person that uses it the most in terms of, like, actual smooches and not just, like, hopeful smooches is, I want to say, Tony. Yes. Yes. Like, he tries to get people under the mistletoe and... They like, or, or, and I know he's not an adventure, but let me also hazard another character that um, I think would fit in mainline as well as like movie canon, Peter Quill, Star-Lord. Yes, I agree. I he agree shows up at the party somehow and yes. like somehow gets, because I think Tony would also actually like probably actually be sulking and like not having fun at this party that he paid all this money for but peter quill absolutely shows up somehow and somehow like gets has like a bunch of like like ends up telling them a story that just happened like and everyone's super engrossed in the story and they just happen to be near the mistletoe yeah it's like a very guardians of the galaxy christmas right exactly yeah it's perfect do you want to read our last question yeah so our last question is it comes from my good friend leah um at six of knives on twitter and she just says in all caps who's on the naughty list that's all um this is referring tony stark I, what yes exactly tony stark um who's on the naughty list like right now in marvel right now tony stark's always there tony stark has been like a dead hologram for like the last yeah but he's also perpetually on the naughty list yeah also yeah still on the naughty list no matter what um, I would probably say, um, I think Cap's trying to get off the naughty list. Yeah, um, he's in a bad way right now. He's in a bad way. <sighs> Is Quentin on the naughty list? Definitely, unfortunately. Always. Always and forever. Um, I don't think he wants to be off the naughty list because the naughty list is where the cool kids are at. I agree. Who wants presents? Santa? Not real. Yeah, like, down sure with he- this capitalist... <laughs> hellscape <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes no that is absolutely correct 
Um, uh, Jean Grey's, or, yeah, Jean Grey's ghost on the naughty list. <laughs> on the naughty list, perhaps. Um, Emma Frost She's... is probably on the naughty list right now. Uh, yeah. To be, to be Their frank. names are right next to each other and they're real mad about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, Havoc. Havoc's definitely on the naughty list. Yeah, like, I know that Havoc's been doing some shitty things recently, but I can't, like, verbalize them, because my friend was like, Havoc's my favorite X-Man. He's never done anything wrong in his life ever. And I'm like, oh, oh, friend. That statement couldn't be more wrong. Like, <laughs> That's what honestly, I thought, but I couldn't remember, like, what exactly he'd could, done. It absolutely could not be more wrong. Oh, and you know who else is on the naughty list? Charles fucking Xavier. Oh, yeah, no, Absolutely. And can't understand why he's there, but he's actually just a good guy. He promises. Yeah, he promises. He promises that if you sacrifice yourself for the greater good, it'll be fine. Ah, uh. poor Phantom X. Sad. <laughs> Phantom X would also Gambit. Gambit's probably on the naughty list. Yeah, but like yeah. he's one of those people that you're like, yeah, you're on the naughty list, but like you're actually a good person. He's just like. <laughs> you know karmically he can't not be on the naughty list list. that's true but yeah i think i think that's about it yeah i mean i'm i'm sure there's some others but that's about it for right now off the top of my head yeah exactly exactly yeah that was our um extreme extreme xmas spectacular xmas for extreme and x-men and also extra because apparently that's where the x comes from and also adam x yeah yeah adam x is not on the naughty list no. No, he's not. He's a more gentle boy than everyone gives him credit for. <laughs> Despite, again, going back to products of the 90s not getting their due or maybe getting uh, incorrect uh, status or um, opinion that people yeah. have of them. Let me tell you, Adam X is my favorite Summers brother. <laughs> but That's been... That's been the young ones, yeah. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Um, thanks for all the questions, all of you that we've mentioned. I think I got all of them. Yes, we pulled all of them. Yeah, if we I, somehow you sent us a question and I didn't get it. I'm sorry, but these are wonderful questions. I was laughing my butt off when I was reading them when we were getting them trickling <laughs> in. Hopefully you have a wonderful holiday season, end of year times, uh, whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate. And here's to 2018 being hopeful. Maybe a better year than 2017 and previous years. Um, but before we go, um, you can find us on Twitter at Young Ones Cast, where we talk about this and ask you for questions and let you know about some cool things that are happening. So contact us there if you want. Um, or at our Gmail address at youngonescast at gmail.com. Please, if you enjoy what you're hearing with your ears and just having a whole sensory experience, I'm sure, um, <laughs> please rate and review us on iTunes. Um, that helps us get in front of That's the best eyes. Christmas present you could give us. That is the best Christmas present you can give me is please um, move me away from any weird pat- podcasts that show up. Um, in the same wide category also <laughs> on any um device on stitcher or google play um wherever your podcasts are sold i am at genetic ghost on twitter um find me there i talk about things that i love if you've loved this let me know and maybe we'll do more of them i'm at quantum dot dot on twitter i also talk about things that i love and feel free to talk to me there i haven't been on twitter as much as of late but 
that isn't out of any love or anything. Just not as active on Twitter because I'm doing other stuff. But yeah. Um, also, if you've enjoyed this, please do take a look at our website, youngonescast.com. Uh, I believe there might be another um, article this Friday, but there's definitely a couple wonderful articles um, from our editor, Everett Christensen, about Prez, who is a hero that I did not know about uh, before this. Bizarre and shit. Yeah, it's like really bizarre, but like in a good way. And like, it's really interesting. Everett's been doing great work and really interesting articles. I love when people dig up these characters that they get buried and that other people might not know exist and are like, look how cool or weird these storylines are because that's some of the best part of comics. Like that's what makes Shatterstar so intriguing to me and um, Longshot as well as like just weird and cool stuff. So yeah. I that's love aliens. I love aliens. That's my hot Christmas take. Okay. Aliens are really good. Aliens are really good, guys. Like aliens that try like need to learn how to love and emotion and like TV. I love aliens. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, no outro, but peace and have a nice holiday season and enjoy the lovely mini tunes. A wonderful holiday, everyone. Bye. 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 <laughs>